This is Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, both of them, one from California, one from Massachusetts. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Bob Ambrogi from Massachusetts. Craig? And I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. I write a blog called May It Please the Court, Bob. And I write uh, two blogs, one called Law Sites and one called Media Law, both at LegalLine.com. Craig? And we're here today on the Legal Talk Network where you can find our old podcasts all the way back to August of last year. But our topic today is diversity in the law. Uh, back in 1999, Bob, the chief legal officers of some 500 corporate law departments signed a document called Diversity in the Workplace, a Statement of Principle. The corporations that signed that agreement um, wanted to urge outside legal firms to improve their diversity. Some progress has been made, but is it enough? And that's something we're going to be talking about today. That's right. Well, uh, uh, apparently one major retailer didn't think enough progress had been made. Walmart made news earlier this year, uh, the nation's largest retailer, when it uh, told the general counsel at its top 100 law firms that at least one person of color and one woman must be among the top five relationship attorneys that, that handle its business. Uh, other companies have, have uh, also said they're going to be requiring outside counsel to demonstrate that there are substantive numbers of women and minority lawyers in the upper levels of their firms. Uh, that's significant when you consider that Walmart spends about $200 million a year on legal services. Uh, so it sounds like there's some progress being made in the right direction here. Well, to help us examine that question uh, and find out whether we are in the, going in the right direction, we have two incredible guests with us today. They're really the experts on diversity in the law. First, we're very lucky to have with us Vita Richardson. Vita is the executive director for the Minority Corporate Council Association, which was founded in 1997. Its mission is to push expanded hiring, retention, and promotion of minority attorneys. MCC, C, excuse me, MCCA is a great resource for information. Welcome to the show, Vita. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. And our other special guest uh, knows a lot about this diversity in the profession firsthand. He's Ron Jordan, uh, founding principal of the uh, legal placement firm Carter, White & Shaw, uh, minority-owned attorney placement diversity search firm located in Chesterton, Maryland. Uh, in the course of his career, Ron has successfully placed many law firm partners, uh, lateral transfers, and facilitated mergers with major law firms. Uh, Ron considers diversifying the ranks of the law firms and corporate law departments to be his mission and his passion. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you a lot. I really appreciate being here. Uh, I thank you both for allowing me to have some uh, words on this subject. Well, Vita, let's toss the question to you and find out what you think about uh, the progress levels that have been made by women and minorities in law firms. You know, well, I'll tell you that um, if we look at the um, progress that has been made at the leadership levels in firms, I'd say that there hasn't been much. Um, recently at MCCA, I had to go back and look at what was going on about five years ago when the Statement of Principle was launched, and that document that the 500 General Counsel first signed 
was an initiative that started out of Atlanta in 1999. And in 1999, looking at um, where minorities were in terms of the partnership of firms, they were at about 3.5% of um, partners in you know, top majority law firms. And now, minorities are about a little more than 4%. So in five years' time, despite the fact that the pipeline has and continues to be rich with minority talent, um, we only see things moving half a percentage point, which really uh, doesn't indicate much progress at all at the leadership ranks and firms. Well, Ron, you're on the ground, uh, so to say, in, in what you do, placing attorneys in law firms every day. What's your perspective? Um, I agree with uh, Vita wholeheartedly. The half a percent is, is pretty... It's pretty sad. Um, we've been very fortunate that uh, diverse attorneys, both partners and associates, have come to us to find law firms that are not just showing face value but have substance, uh, substantial commitment to diversity. Um, those numbers haven't changed. Uh, people are trying. There has been some progress, but not enough to make any substantial uh, change You know that... Uh, is you know really really makes it a difference i guess is the best way of saying it is there a is there a segment of the legal profession where the numbers are either particularly better or particularly worse and by segment i mean among corporate counsel or among smaller firm lawyers or larger firm lawyers or government or 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 uh, legal services are the areas that stand out as better or worse well, we've actually seen, and this data is actually NALP data, National Association of Law Placement, uh, but I've sat with NALP um, uh, representatives on different panels, and their data indicates that actually the larger firms, firms of 500 or more, are doing a little bit better than their uh, smaller to moderate-sized peers in terms of attracting minority candidates to come into the firms. Um, the difference is, though, that at all ends of the spectrum, regardless of the size of the firm, we're not seeing significant advancements being made in terms of uh, the um, ascension of those minority attorneys up the ranks to the partnership level. The attrition rates are so very high. Vita, you mentioned the pipeline, and I wanted to ask a question about how uh, diversity and, and minority students are in law schools. I mean, we're filling the pipeline. Is it being filled properly so that, you know, we, we have the, the uh, resources to get to the levels that we should be at? Well, again, I'm, I'm going to have to refer to NALP data because they have uh, very good data regarding new law graduates. Right. And um, their data indicates that about... 20%, a little more than 20% of all law graduates nationally are minority students. Um, and minority, we mean racial and ethnic uh, minority. And um, as far as women, um, women are close to, and this, with this graduating class, they may exceed 50%, but women are close to 50% in the high 40s. If we look at that and translate it to our U.S. population as a whole, um, minorities are, according to U.S. Census data, about a third of the population. Uh, so we see that in terms of law graduates measured against minorities, there's, you know, a discrepancy in terms of uh, access to uh, or choice of law as a career and profession. 
and for women, women are about 50%, a little more than 50% of the U.S. population. And so uh, it seems that the legal profession is graduating women on par with our national demographic. So are you seeing essentially what some people refer to as a glass ceiling still in place in the legal community? Um, well, I'd say for women it's a glass ceiling. For minorities, I feel like it's a concrete floor and their shoes are stuck to, you know, um, stuck to more entry level. Um, so I, I don't see that at this point, particularly with minority women, that I can even optimistically call it a glass ceiling. They're not even moving up the, the first rungs of the ladder is what you're saying. Right, right. I, I, I don't see significant enough growth to be optimistic and call it a glass ceiling. Ron, I wonder from your from your perspective in, in placement, uh, do these kinds of initiatives, uh, like we saw from Walmart and we've seen from other companies, uh, have an impact? And uh, if so, what is that impact? It, it does have an impact on the leverage of a law firm as far as uh, diverse attorneys are concerned. Um, in the past, uh, for Tom Mars, who's the general counsel of Walmart, um, the majority of that legal work went to predominantly white males. And that sharing of power and leverage um, and work, uh, origination credit was not meted out the way it should be. Um, it has been because of MCCA and their members, um, ACC, uh, ACCA members, um, that there is more um, equal uh, and inclusive um, work being handed out. Um, but still, within the law firm uh, hierarchy or structure, um, it's still being dominated predominantly by, by white males that are not willing to or have not, and there are very few uh, exceptions of um, giving uh, equal power to uh, diverse attorneys and, and women. Now, I want to just say that I agree with Ron, and one one thing just in my own experience that underscores it, before I moved into bar association life, I practiced law 11 years in-house at an oil company here in the Northeast region. And in all the time that I watched partners retire and our company's account turn over from one partner to the next partner who was going to manage the engagement, never once did I see that in institutional relationship turned over from anyone but one white male to another. And I think that the experience, although I left practice of law in 1997, just anecdotally from <clears throat> talking to a lot of peers who are in corporations, um, I don't see that the experience had been that different. And I think that's what Walmart's effort was designed to address, the fact that um, uh, with their corporation, when they analyze their top 100 um, law firms by how much they pay, by, by billings and, and payments made, they determined that um, I think it was 80, 86 or so percent, like 86 out of 100 um, of those relationships were managed by white males. And those relationships had over time changed hands, so there was opportunity to mentor and bring in others, but um, I think that they were shocked by the fact that the people who managed their engagements um, were so substantially 
of just one demographic group. And I believe that what they attempted to do was interject a little bit more competition or for them to look at who else might manage their engagements. And what I understand that Walmart did is they said to a hundred of their top billing firms, send us the name of five people whom we might meet with, talk to, examine, and decide who we want to lead the engagement, not you tell us, we will tell you. And within the five, there should be at least one minority and at least one woman. And if at this point you don't have at least one minority or one woman and one woman who would be capable of leading a major client engagement, well, that doesn't speak very well of the firm or the way that it's um, professionally developing its people. Well, and Walmart is, isn't alone in this. I, I, I think uh, Sarah Lee, uh, I saw that in news reports that their top lawyer had issued uh, a, a call to action, uh, you know, uh, that, that uh, they would consider a firm's diversity when hiring outside counsel. Uh, what what needs to be done? Uh, you know, we've stated the problem here. What what's this? What can be done to to begin to change this? Obviously, this is one step. But what what other programs or initiatives can help uh, bring more balance and, and uh, uh, representation to the legal profession? Ron, do you want to address that first, or yeah, you go first, and I'll go second. Okay. Well, from my perspective, because MCCA is a group where we focus on management policies and practices, um, I think that there is a lot that can be done. Um, one of the things that we've learned by examining uh, several of the more successful corporations and, to some extent, firms that have made more significant progress than their peers, what we see is accountability. We see, at the top, a leadership commitment but throughout the organization, more ownership and accountability, um, particularly at management and mid-management levels, with advancing the organization's diversity goals. And one of the things that I see some organizations, um, lesser performing corporations, and many majority of law firms not doing is that um, they're reluctant to establish uh, goals and metrics and I mean both qualitative and quantitative, regarding how they want to um, see their organization make progress. And I also see a reluctance to measure against goal and to hold people accountable for results. It's clear that the best performing corporations have systems of accountability so that it's clear to people what their responsibility is, and then it's also clear to leadership who's not stepping up to and meeting their responsibilities. Right. I agree with, uh, with Peter about that as far as corporations are concerned. Now, for law firms, uh, since they have been predominantly um, structured with white males, um, the management committee, the executive committee, and the compensation committee, which is the management of the firm, has to take on the same uh, commitment as their outside counsel as well as their CEO, um, chief operating officers of their outs of their of their clients, um, we have seen some firms that have uh, stepped up to the plate and have taken on um, looking at diverse attorneys, uh, minority attorneys, um, both from a pipeline issue and expanding their 
recruiting efforts at um, schools that traditionally aren't are not on the recruitment uh, uh, landscape. So in one in one in one instance, we have a chance. They have a chance to bring in people that aren't from Stanford or not from Yale um, or not from Harvard um, that maybe have gone to Fordham or Sunny, um, Howard uh, University, uh, Texas Southern. Um, schools that may be more um, oriented towards uh, minority legal education. Um, the other thing that we have uh, tried to emphasize, and even as a, as a legal recruiter, part of our job is to educate people, um, is to ask people to um, truly talk to their corporate clients to find out answers that way. Um, one uh, general counsel, Juan Carbonell, uh, from single wireless is is willing to take um, minority attorneys from their outside counsel law firms and bring them in for one year and teach them how to be better lawyers, um, which I think is a very innovative uh, program, uh, and then send them back to their uh, outside counsel. One, it uh, solidifies relationship with the, with their client. To the uh, associate minority attorney has a chance to really understand what the corporate client's needs are, and that's a very innovative program. But really, from the top, it has to, in order for this for diversity to work, the law firm management has to wholly embrace that diversity is not just good for business; it's also the right thing to do. It has to be a reflection of the demographics of what the world's going to look like in ten years. Um, one of my clients, I don't know if, if, if it's okay to say this, um, Mintz Levin was one of the pioneering firms that stepped up to the plate and asked us to find a group of diverse attorneys where they had leverage within the firm. And that has opened the door for not only increased business, but also for the pipeline issue of attracting other diverse attorneys into the firm. Vita, what does uh, MCCA recommend as kind of a standard? I mean, I'll put myself on the spit here. I am a white male, and I have a six-person uh, attorney firm out in Southern California. Uh, unfortunately, at this point for us, we're all, I'm not, well, unfortunate or not, but we are all white males. We had a female, a woman, a white woman that worked with us who resigned. Our standards are essentially we want someone who's been in practice for approximately 15 years. We want someone who's graduated from one of the top law schools in the country. And for us, it's very difficult to find uh, a woman or an ethnic individual or a minority person that fits into those qualifications, um, given the kind of pool that we draw from here. What can a small law firm like mine do to improve our statistics in that regard? Um, well, the first thing I would ask you is, um, and I ask this of, of all law firms, is um, whether you're interested in someone with uh, experience and credentials that can step in and do your work immediately, and if so, then why are you limiting yourself to only a certain group of law schools in terms of graduates? Um, that's one sticking uh, point for us at MCCA because we actually did a survey and pulled the bios of close to 2,000 successful partners um, that were pulled at random from Martindale Hubble. And we looked at those um, 
bios in terms of law school attended and where it was ranked by U.S. News and World Reports. And we could spend all day talking about how U.S. News and World Reports ranks and if that really does determine what the best law schools in the nation are. But I won't go on that tangent. But we looked at where people went to law school. Um, did they participate on law review, moot court? Did they graduate with honors, meaning for our purposes, in the top 10% uh, of their class? Um, were they invited into, you know, elite law societies like the Order of the Cloth, uh, judicial clerkships, et cetera, and we called them our pedigree credentials. And when we looked at how many people within that range of 2,000 successful partners that we looked at actually possessed those pedigree credentials, the majority, overwhelming majority, did not. Um, and so I, I feel like in some ways um, firms are limiting themselves by the narrow ways that they look at who is talented, particularly when you're looking to hire someone who has been out of law school for five years or more. Um, that person comes with true credentials, credentials as a practicing lawyer that have nothing to do with, you know, what they were doing when they were a law student because to this point, no one has been able to prove that um, pedigree credentials as a law student translate to a great practicing attorney or a great rainmaker. Um, so the first thing I would say is that um, perhaps your pool of talent might be a little bit narrow because of the way you've drawn your hiring criteria. And the second thing is that um, for organizations where um, there isn't a lot of diversity. One of the things that you and your um, colleagues can do is to be a lot more proactive and visible in minority bar communities because you'd be surprised how the word gets around that you are an employer um, who doesn't just say that you would be welcoming but um, uh, walks the talk that you would be welcoming just by your involvement and your outreach. So. Um, I know that in the case of Walmart, who is hampered with their recruitment because um, uh, they felt as though originally that a lot of minorities may be less attractive to Bentonville, Arkansas, which is located 70 miles from the Ku Klux Klan headquarters, um, one of the ways that they've grown their diverse staff is from sending out all people in their organization, particularly their white males, into minority bar communities to help them identify and develop relationships with potential talent. Vita, we need to take a short break here and come back after a short commercial message. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. 
If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to our Coast to Coast program uh, on the Legal Talk Network. I am Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. Vita, to follow up on, on the question that we were talking about right before the break, uh, you mentioned changing perspective on uh, hiring criteria, and I think that was something that Ron had mentioned as well, to take a look at other schools that might have uh, successful candidates. And it, it reminds me a bit of my experience in the Coast Guard from the standpoint that some of the best officers that were in the Coast Guard were not the ones that graduated from the academy, but the ones that came up from the ranks. That's true. We have to look at town a lot more broadly, I believe. And one of the problems within the law firm structure is that a lot of firms have narrowed themselves to looking at the best schools, the Ivy League schools. There are other schools across the country that have some very, very strong students looking at a pipeline issue that are not, just not on the uh, recruiting list of uh, in-house recruiters. And they miss a lot of talent. They miss a lot of really motivated and talented people. And it makes the the numbers for uh, law firms, um, I wouldn't say smaller, but it, it, it's le- it leaves less choice. And the types of people uh, within the... Um, diversity, minority um, student ranks that could very well help their clients' needs. The other thing that is really important, when they open the uh, recruitment efforts, they bring people in that have different life experiences that are dissimilar to the people that are currently working in the law firm. And that makes for a better culture, not a worse culture for the law firm. It opens up new ideas, new legal ideas that Traditionally, um, some lawyers just wouldn't um, pull out those life experience in relation to that legal problem. I think we, they they should do, just be a lot more broader in the in the recruiting efforts. We we have just a couple of minutes left, uh, and I, I I did want to give you each an opportunity to to get some final thoughts in uh, before we have to wrap up. So I wonder if if Vita, if you want to uh, offer any final thoughts on this topic. Well, you know, I guess in terms of final thoughts, I believe that there are a lot of good resources that are available to people who are interested in making progress or dissecting some of the issues a little bit more closely. Um, There are organizations like uh, Association of Corporate Counsel, 
and the one that I work for, Minority Corporate Council Association, that have been addressing the issue. There are a lot of really great state and regional efforts that are going on. So I would encourage people who want to learn more, you know, to tap into their local or, or national um, memberships to identify good information and good recommendations. Ron, how about you? Uh, final thoughts on this topic? Kudos to, uh, to Vita. MCCA, CMCP, Corporate Minority Council Program, which is an organization in California, which is somewhat the equivalent of MCCA, looking at um, bars of color, women in the profession, um, looking at the ABA within the ABA. There are a number of organizations that have, are doing um, reach, reaching out to the diverse and women-owned, women population, um, just for, from a, a legal recruiter's point of view, there are legal recruiters that have different networks around the country that know of diverse attorneys that the um, in-house legal recruiter may not know. Uh, utilize us as the best way you can. But really it comes down to management, uh, embracing diversity as something that is an essential part of practicing law. And law firms that understand that, the entire culture of the law firm will not only change, it will change for the best. Uh, corporate clients will be very happy because they are a reflection of what's happening uh, within the country itself. There are more general counsels that look like diverse attorneys and more women. Um, but it really comes down to embracing diversity as something that's very essential. It's a mandatory uh, subject. It's not an initiative. Uh, it's an integral part of practicing law in the United States and on a global level. All right. Well, that about eats up our time for today. Craig, did you have some final words you want to do? Well, I wanted to take the opportunity, Bob, to highlight Ron and Vita's uh, websites. And I, if I get this right, I think Ron's is diverseattorney.org. Is that right, Ron? That is correct. And Vita's uh, with the Minority Corporate Counsel Association is mcca.com. Am I correct, Vita? Yes, that is. Thank you. Great. We wanted to highlight those before we wrapped up and uh, thank our guests for being with us today. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, Craig, uh, I'm just going to uh, say goodbye and I look forward to talking to you next week uh, on Legal Talk Network. Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.